What's up? What's up? How you doing? Uh, thank you for being here to watch this edition of KGUP Presents. I'm your host, Mikey J. And as always, I am super pumped for this episode because we have none other than Jason and Crow Triple Seven, the hosts of Crow Triple Seven Radio.com. So don't go away. You're not going to want to miss this episode. And we'll be right back. Triple Seven presents Shoot the Moon. Available now on Vimeo On Demand. started in 2012 when I shot the first lunar wave. Um, I filmed for four years straight, nearly went broke, but it's astonishing the things that I filmed. 
and it's even more astonishing what's happened since then. Welcome back. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Mikey J here on KGUP Presents. Hope you're having an awesome day wherever you are. If you're listening to the audio version of this show, I just want to say thank you for tuning in. If it wasn't for you guys, I would not be here today. So thank you to the thousands that only listen to the podcast version. Uh, back in the day, like 2009, this was pretty much how I did it. And uh, it was way different back then because I wasn't talking conspiracies and truth and during that time, I was only interviewing music artists, and I was also a uh, NASCAR commentator, <laughs> believe it or not. My friend and I had a show called The Pit Pass, and it lasted for about three years, and then uh, he got hired to be the announcer for the Anaheim Angels, and that was the end of it. So that's a little tidbit about me, but uh, back to today's show. I'm very excited to bring on today's guest. If you don't know who Crow Triple Seven is, he's one of the best radio show hosts I've come across. Uh, each of his episodes are just as good as his last. I'm constantly learning something new about something I didn't know before. Uh, I've especially started really understanding law and the inner workings of our judicial system uh, simply by listening to him and his guests. Um, you know, back in college, I, I took contract in entertainment law for about three years. And I just thought I knew a whole lot about it, but I really didn't know as much as I thought. But uh, that's not the only thing that they talk about. And his guests are very knowledgeable in so many different fields from like religion, alchemy, culture, censorship, uh, spiritualism, natural healing, money and finance. And what put Crow on the map was when they uh, when he captured the lunar wave. And uh, I suggest that if you don't know anything about that, you should really look him up and go to crow777radio.com and um, you know watch the movie called Shoot the Moon by uh, Jason Lindgren. Uh, and we'll definitely talk about that more. And with that said, let's bring Jason and Crow777 on. How you doing, guys? Uh, we're good, man. Thanks for having us. All right. Awesome. Well, uh, first off, I want to thank uh, Rose777 for connecting us. I mean, she's awesome herself. In fact, I'd love to have her on to talk about her expertise and her, her knowledge about affidavits and exemptions. And uh, speaking of affidavits, you've had quite a few guests on your show and uh, talking about this exact subject. Like uh, you had B. Freely, Dan Real, David uh, Meyerland, and uh, so many other people talking about that exact topic. Um, does, does is law like like your favorite topic right now, or is it mostly based on what's currently happening in, in today's climate? <laughs> uh, actually, law is one of my least favorite topics, and the reason we got into this is because everybody's been in dire straits, and we realized that almost nobody knows anything about the law, and so many people were being told to do a thing and doing it because they thought they had to, forgetting the fact that right. you don't have to do anything. Um, I don't even remember, Jason. You remember what the first law show well it was a must have been alphonse or somebody yeah i think it was alphonse and we've had him back a zillion times or the bulldog as i like to call him yeah yeah, he wasn't playing he 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 became famous in his own right he's helped i don't know thousands of people um at no cost and they have a uh, telegram group now where almost all the big names we've had on about law congregate and they've helped a lot of people. Uh, so many people are being told things that are not true. Like you do this medical procedure, you'll lose your livelihood. Nope, sorry. There's no law. Show me the law. If you can't show me the law, we're going to have a problem here. And you were asking about affidavits. That's really where it started. Um, 
affidavits as people who have followed, if they go unrebutted, they become a statement of fact or truth. In other words, in a, in a courtroom, that's gospel. If it's an unrebutted affidavit, and these are big deals because most people, I think, wander through life assuming some professional person is doing what they need to do for them. But when we got to 2020, it became pretty apparent that most of the professional people fell asleep decades ago. Right. That's what it seems like. I mean, me and my wife, we were talking about getting an affidavit done. So in case we're either one of us were admitted in the hospital, we, we need to have something with us that states that, you know, you can only do this, this or this. You should do that because we just had two episodes where people, as an example, said, don't give me remdesivir because I know the death rate's above 50%. They put them on sedatives, which made their breathing go shallow. So they put them on a ventilator and then administer remdesivir, which they had been on the record. And what we found is that bureaucracy needs documents. So if you're serious about doing what you just said, it would be a very wise thing to do. Yeah. Yeah, we were supposed to go to the um, uh, registrar's office and, and file these documents and then um, just carry them on our person at all times because you just never know, you know, it's crazy. You can make a health plan. Um, we're about to have Jessica Brink back on and she has found that if you submit, you could say whatever you want till you're blue in the face and they ignore you. If you submit a health plan, a health care plan, if you give a, if they give the bureaucracy their paper, um, then they act like they know what to do and they quit hounding you. And this is for newborns too. All you folks out there about to start a family, make a birth plan, make mm -hmm. it a statement of fact, do your due diligence on affidavits because the hospitals will hound you as if they are in charge until you let them know that you're actually in charge and here's the paper that proves it. Right. You know, I, I, I've known this for a while, but if you don't want to accept something, if you're able to walk out, you should just walk out, you know? <laughs> well, the, the problem has become in the modern era is that people have forgotten that everything we're getting is offers. Right. But unfortunately, this bureaucracy is so cleverly formed into a trap designed to trap as many people as they can, that you can't just say, no, I don't want your offer. Um, you have to physically say things like, I'd be happy to accept your offer if you can prove A, B, and C, and D, which they can't. And that ends the whole thing. But this, again, comes back to bureaucracy. What happened to the days where a handshake was a handshake or two human beings communicating could come to an agreement? Those days are far behind us with corporation. Corporation does not know how to wipe its own butt without paper. And I'm not talking toilet paper either. And I'm not kidding. Yeah. Um, it's quite a, a coercive system. Oh yeah. There's a lot of coercion. Uh, I learned, you know, firsthand, but when I had a car accident, um, about 25 years ago, God, I'm old. Um, and, uh, they were just prescribing me all kinds of stuff and I was just dumb enough to just take them, you know, and they, it, most of the things that were, I was given, they were on trial, there was no proven evidence that any of these things worked and the side effects were unknown. And I was like, I'll try it, you know, like, like a stupid idiot. And I ended up getting worse and I had all these like other ailments and it developed in, into something else and into something else. And I was gaining a ton, ton of weight. I was getting depressed. And so they were putting me on all these, you know, other uh, medications and, 
it, it was just downhill. And then in one day I was just like, you know what, I'm just going to quit cold Turkey. And I went through severe withdrawals and, um, you know, I just started meditating and just listening to my body and changing my diet. And I started to feel better. And I mean, I still have back pain, but I, I just kind of ignore it. And I just use my mind to control what I feel and, and how it affects me. And, and, you know, you change the people around you who are just, they, you know, they go to the doctor for every little thing and you just have to kind of ignore it <laughs> and, and not be sucked into that whole world of like, you know, your doctor knows best because they, they really don't. They're just there to, to get the bonuses and get that paycheck. Well, uh, I can tell you firsthand coming off pain medication is one of the most brutal things you can oh, yeah. have to do. But if you know what you're doing, you can decrease the amount of time. It took me about two years. Um, I was in the VA system um, and they had me on all kinds of things, high blood pressure, this, that, the other thing. Um, and when I finally started to come to my senses and walk away, um, it's pretty torturous to get free of all that. And the, the, the irony is, is they have things that can help you. Um, they just don't make them available. And then they act like you're a criminal for taking what they prescribed. Um, but at the end of the day, I haven't taken any medication of any kind for, I don't know, decades almost, <laughs> I guess, something like that. And, you know, even the high blood pressure and they tell you LDL, HDL, they tell you all these things. And when you start to meet holistic naturopaths, people who truly have a concern to heal, um, you realize there's a whole other world. And the truest word you'll ever hear is you are what you eat. You are what you ingest. Um, and that relates to what's going on in the world now with all these medical procedures that are not even approved, that they're coercing people to take. Uh, threatening their livelihood um and it's you know, our very next show that we do i mean i don't know what you think jason but i mean he he's showing the reports that he's talking about and mm -hmm. the drugs they're using actively now have a death rate in some cases over 50 percent and they oh, damage yeah. your liver and kidneys yeah it's crazy and then they just keep right on using it and just, they're not even questioning because that's the procedure being handed down to them from uh, on high. And guys, you got to think for yourself. Or, or you lose your job. We also heard that the administration said you will administer these things or you will lose your livelihood. But I don't, you know, I'm not giving anyway. If someone came up to me and put a gun in my hand and said, Crow, kill that person or you're not getting paid, I would look them in the eye and say, I guess I'm not getting paid. Um, yeah. That's no different. You know, these people have taken Hi Hippocratic oaths and it's, it's insane what what has been shown to be true about our society but at the same point you know when you hit rock bottom and then start jackhammering through the rock to even go deeper there this is going to come to an end you know you're you're nearing a big change point mm -hmm. yeah i think that's why they're they're doing such a big cleanup and they want new people who have all this debt so you know it's and they're they want to pay off what they what they owe the the federal government for their loans and stuff so they just kind of do what they're told and, and turn a blind eye. I mean, that, I think that's what we're coming down to. Well, that debt is a form of slavery, isn't it? Yep. Um, when I was young, and I'm quite a bit older than you, children did not hold credit cards. As a matter of fact, it was unusual to see anyone holding a credit card until they were in their 30s, well into their 30s. Um, by the time 
I was in my 30s. The credit card companies were camped out at the city colleges issuing credit cards to these kids coming into school. Um, and it was not clear to society what was happening yet at that point. But to carry debt is to, in fact, be a slave to someone. Um, yeah. And that's what it's intended to do. The, the truth of it is half these places didn't get paid another penny. Uh, they'd still be fine. Insurance companies, places like this, are the biggest corporations in the world, bigger than big oil. Um, so truly it's about control. Not only that, when I was young, the definition for usury, I think it was three or 4%. We regularly see people with over 20, if not up to 33% interest. Um, that's just criminal. And that is mainstream now. Yeah. I mean, that that's subprime and it's really predatory. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's nuts. It'll, it'll see its end. Hopefully. Hopefully it is not too big of an end. <laughs> I've been hearing about all this like great reset talk and, you know, there's a possibility that when, before we go to this like new global currency, I mean, it's just going to, it's going to not be pretty if you're not ready for it. Well, we, we will lose more freedom than we've ever had in the world the day that we shift to online currency. And I don't give a damn what it is, what's driving it. Um, that's just a fact. And it's an open admission by the so-called consumers, which is a criminal world in, word in itself, um, that they don't care whether anything is valuable anymore. Give me these yeah. digits on a zip drive that cannot possibly be shown to hold value and I'll act like it's money. There's the, there's the actual separation, the permanent separation from the idea that wealth is things of value. Um, we're already, we've been playing this game for a long time. I mean, we're faking with paper right now, but paper's tangible. And there was a time when that paper was supposed to be redeemable for specie or gold or silver. But when we go to digital, It'll be the open acceptance that wealth is no longer tied to anything valuable. Yep. Well, In other words, there is no wealth. We're not going to be able to touch it at all. I mean, I mean, what what greater excuse than then it? Well, if we don't have currency, then you know we don't we don't we're not spending spreading germs. We don't have to touch anybody or touch anything for that matter. Well, that's another thing that's coming to an end. Germ theory is going to find its end here on the tail of all this as well. I wouldn't be surprised if a version of what we've all endured happened near the, the beginning of the so-called 1900s. We have people like Rudolf Steiner, who informed us that masks do more damage than good. He informed us a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And we forgot, went down the memory hole. So it would not surprise me that if we actually had an actual history that we could count on and have some faith in, that things like this haven't been done innumerable times. Who knows? I mean, if you know what you know about this supposed pandemic, what, what, what's your mindset now on the supposed Black Plague or the Spanish influenza? I mean, what do you think about those now? In other words, once you're told a lie at such a magnitude, you have to look back at everything else you've been told and just come to the conclusion, none of this is acceptable anymore. The people telling me this are liars and yeah. I'm not gonna believe a liar. Yeah, I've come to the realiz you know, the realization that I really can't trust anything that we're, you know, teaching in school anymore. No. Um, and it goes back. I mean, who knows how far back it goes? You know, <laughs> that that's a huge rabbit hole. Yeah, exactly. 
we, Jason and I have covered that if you just simply go back to the mid 1800s, um, you can see how far we've fallen since just then. People speaking multiple languages, reading the classics in Greek or reading, you know, uh, all these other languages in which these supposed classics were written. Look at the beauty of the handwriting. Everyone's expected to be able to write so that it's beautiful. Look at the quality of their furniture and their living rooms and look yeah. where we are. Um, we've fallen. You know, Jason's favorite movie uh, is endemic of what I'm telling you. What's the name of that flick again, Jason? Time After Time. Time After Time. So it's a play on the H.G. Wells time machine, except they put jack the ripper or something in there and they come from the 1800s which is a higher state of being and knowing and learning and they come to the 70s and they just juxtapose you know juxtapose how just fallen we had mm. become in the 70s as composed to supposed you know 1870s 100 years is that movie with uh, christopher reeve no it's um Oh, goodness. Now I'm not going to remember. Malcolm. <laughs> Malcolm McDowell is H.G. Yeah. Wells and David, another actor I really like, another British actor. Uh, David Warner is, is uh, Dr. Stevenson slash Jack the Ripper. Oh, okay. So this is an old film. 70s. Think, 1979 right? it came out, yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, it wasn't even like a huge budget. It was just a really good story and very well done. Mm-hmm. But at one point, the main character who's playing H.G. Wells meets a girl in the 70s and he's in the house. And he's all, where the hell are all your books? And the girl says, well, we don't really use books anymore. We pretty much go to the movies now. It's just one thing after another to demonstrate how quickly this fall happened. Yep. Predictive programming. They were just programming. People. And that was 1979. <laughs> Think about now. Yeah. Yeah. How, how much deeper has our hole become since then? Infinitely yeah. deeper. <laughs> right. As each generation passes, I mean, it, it just gets deeper and deeper. I mean, I mean, if you think about it, like when I was in college, I found it very peculiar how you had to buy a new book every year. And it's like, what, what information is so different from the year before? And well, that's you know, a racket. That's a known racket. Yeah. Yes. And, I wanted to go back and, you know, I looked at a few books and I, I was, it was hard to, to find really old books and then comparing them to the recent ones and trying to f figure out what was redacted and changed. And it's like, it's just a, such a slow progression that you, it, you barely notice it, but it's definitely apparent. You these know. things will come, these things will find their end. The, the problem with what's going on in our world is the old cliche that tells us what's correct and truth needs no defense. The entirety of what we have just experienced is built on a foundation of horse, you know what? Um, there is no truth, there is no solidity, there is no value. And so what that means is this Fugazi way we're living has to be defended six ways to Sunday, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. And that can't go on forever. So either someone gets iron-fisted control and they don't have to care because they have iron-fisted control or things are going to change and they're not going to like the way it goes. But <clears throat> life finds a way. Um, I don't see the fat lady singing. I don't know what you guys see, but um, this will, this cycle that we're in will come to an end. As a matter of fact, I would not be surprised to see so much of what we've seen going on 
slow by the first of the year. Um, but of course, you know what happens. Um, all of a sudden, there's a statewide power outage, or all of a sudden, you know, you, you know the things that happen. These these events they were doing where it required people to believe in their events. Mm-hmm. Like there's ten thousand shootings in this country every day. Um, that bird has flown. Um, so yeah. now it's going to be things that involve large masses of people where you don't really have a say. Oh, the power's out. The power's out, or whatever it might be. Um, but that too shows a progression where the belief that they used to rely on is no longer there. They can tell all their little tales and stories. Not everyone's accepting all that anymore. And that drove our bus from JFK forward. Yep, news told me this, it's true. So now I'm going to rearrange my whole life based on a lie the news told me. Right. You know, it's funny you mentioned power outage because last night we had a tornado warning. And so we were sitting in the hallway and we had... And they shut off the power. And the whole time I was, we were sitting there listening to the, to the news on, on our phone, on my wife's phone, and I was just thinking like, okay, well, I need to do this and I need to do this. And all these preparations were going through my mind because I know there's going to be a big catastrophic like blackout, this coordinated blackout. And, you know, they're not going to turn it on after three hours. Like we were very fortunate it was only a three-hour power outage. And it was controlled. So I knew nothing came down because the, the wind hadn't even hit us before they turned out the power. So I knew it was the power company shutting everything off. But Which, I mean, which is Fugazi in itself. You know, mm-hmm. We came all the way through my young childhood from the 60s all the way through the 80s. This kind of thing didn't happen. If a power outage occurred, they were scrambling to get it back on. And the idea that somehow they needed to, like they started doing this in California. Oh, there's a fire. We got to turn off all the power um, because we told you all that it was our power that started all these other fires. And that in itself is a problem all the way through my life as a child in California, about every eight to 10 years, there would be a serious fire. Um, Now there's 10 of them a year. Um, These two things don't balance historically. And so then you have to face what's the change. And it's pretty clear if you've lived since 2020, what the change is. Um, We're witnessing a run at a worldwide coup d'etat. We're witnessing eugenics on a level that is almost unimaginable, which is already happening. Um, And since we don't have anything but bought off news, they can cover so much of it. But you know, you're going to wake up a few years from now and realize there's a hell of a lot fewer lives around you in this world. And yeah, that's definitely. a result of what's been going on here. So we've kind of run on this like huge tangent. I had this whole plan of like talking about you and everything and how you got into to radio and Jason, how you guys hooked up. But I wanted to kind of like compliment you as a radio broadcaster because um, as a fan of your show, I've been listening to you for, for quite a while. I, I discovered you when um, you had Howdy McCoskey cause, uh, on your show because he, he was diving into the whole uh, expeditions. And, yeah, World Fairs. Yeah. yeah, the World Fairs. And it was such a fascinating topic. Then, and I, I mean, I heard people talk about you because I listened to a, a bunch of other talk shows that talk about you. And I know, you know, Rose Triple Seven and. And uh, I've listened to so many talk show hosts through my life. I mean, I was a big fan of like George Norrie of AM640 and, you know, NPR, Ben Shapiro, so many other show hosts over the years. But uh, you're like one of the most knowledgeable, the most informative, like you're so well-rounded and you know what you're talking about. So how did you get 
involved in into this whole show format and i mean can you talk about your education and and like how you were able to be so well versed i'm, I'm mostly self-educated my father was a phd and he taught teachers to teach at the college level and he did phd dissertations um he was very disappointed when i dropped out of school in <laughs> high school and then i spent my life occasionally going back and never being too serious about it till I went to get my internet technology degree. By then I was already 30. And then I did take it seriously, um, which was good. My father got to see that. I did the president's list and all these other things because the entirety of my educational experience was that it felt out of place, that I didn't care. I wanted to be anywhere else but there. And why did any of this matter? Um, and some of it does. If you can't do basic math, that's not a good thing. If you can't read and write, that's not a good thing. But basically, I spent my whole life educating myself and reading. Without reading, um, I would probably be nowhere. Um, because everything you ever want to know has been written down somewhere. And well, as we head into this era, you might want to hold on to the important books you have because the internet will also make a run at the printed word in libraries. And the day the last library closes its door, woe to us. But that, because then there is no longer records, um, anything can be changed online. Those books represent records, as you were pointing out with your textbook. What would it be like to compare a textbook from the 60s on any given topic to one from the 90s? There'd clearly be big differences because we watched it all go downhill. But for my part, um, I never really fit in and I didn't go along to get along. And I thought there was something wrong with me because um, everyone else seemed to be thinking everything was fine. And uh, we just reached a point where what I thought was true couldn't be hidden anymore, I guess. <laughs> so what about you, Jason? How, how did you um, just I mean, get into radio and, and uh, the stuff that you talk about? Well, I'm also self-taught, but I'm an audio engineer and I, I'm a musician. So I've been interested in the tech side of things for a very long time. And it just sort of transitioned. Well, I guess transition is the right word. It expanded out from there once I started getting interesting, interested in wanting to do a podcast on my own. Mm -hmm. And then I started on my own and ended up meeting Crow a short while later and then just took it from there. But as far as the knowledge and everything, it's all out there. It's not like we have some mystic library that no one else has access to. Right. It's just something you have to take the time to whatever the subject matter is. You, you just have to keep digging until you can be as certain as possible that you've done the best to confirm the information you found. And a lot of times you really don't know. It's like, okay, well, this is coming from a mainstream source. Uh, this is the best I can find. And it is what it is. And a lot of times I'll say that too. It's like, well, there's, because there, especially the further you go back, it's, you just don't know what's been changed or, or altered. And which is why Crow is very big on pushing, hey, if, if it's at least if it's printed in a book, that can't be digitally altered. Right. That's, so our that's the memory hole of our time, by the way. The internet <laughs> represents that memory hole. And is actively, but put it this way, if I'm true about the things we're experiencing now uh, happening sometime around the end of the 1800s, what's that tell you? That the people who write the histories are planned shenanigans. Right. Um, yeah, you, you and Jason, I mean, uh, Jason and I, I mean, we seem to have a uh, kind of a similar background because I, I went to school to, you know, work in music and, and you know, my 
one of my degrees that I worked on was uh, not only journalism, but radio broadcasting. And, uh, you know, I, I just wanted to spend time just talking to people and uh, mostly about music. I mean, I, I've always had a passion for music. But at the same time, you know, I was really into like documentaries and conspiracies and, you know, the JFK assassination and then, you know, like um, John F. Kennedy Jr. and the Oklahoma City bombing. And then 9-11 was like a big truth bomb for me. Uh, what was your like red pill moment? <laughs> my, my, for me, it was, it's been my whole life. Um, what was missing before we got the internet and individuals who could suddenly reach larger audiences um, is common sense. It's been a long time yeah. since common sense was a, a part of anything you're seeing. And not only that, um, the necessity for value is that the person speaking has to care about living things, period. Um, yeah. And you have to draw a line in the sand. Are you about good things or are you about bad things? Um, because a lot of people sell their soul slowly down the road to say the things they're told to say or propagate the things they propagate. Whereas if they just would have stopped and said, wait a minute, I'm not with this. I'm not going to go against what I think is correct. And so that was the big switch because, you know, you took broadcast. What did they teach you? Did you see in the world of broadcast anyone following the rules that you were shown in broadcast school? Um, by the time any of us were in our 20s or 30s, that was long since gone. I mean, go back to the, the movie Network. What's that? 75, 74? I don't know. It's in the 70s somewhere, and they're already showing you um, that news or journalism is dead. Um, this is an entertainment game, and that's the other thing. Um, yeah. You've got to decide whether you want to be internet famous or whether you want to say things that matter, because those two things don't go together. Yeah, one of the things that I noticed when I, because I started, um, you know, all the school in 2008, and um, right before Obama took office, um, I noticed a huge change in all the uh, news organizations. They were all being bought off by these entertainment corporations, and so they were falling under, journalism was falling under the entertainment license. So they were no longer news organizations, they were entertainment. So that's when I started to notice that news started to kind of morph into this like new thing where there was less citation, there was less verification, there was less people actually being uh, like news journalists and, you know, the hardcore journalism that I, that I was like so passionate to learn about. And it just seemed, I don't know. It was very different. Like we were, what we were learning in school wasn't what was being practiced out in real life. You know, no, that, that, you know, the ideas that you're expressing were supposedly still alive to some degree in the early seventies, but I can call poppycock on that all day long. When, when do we have Watergate? What are you looking at when you see a thing like Watergate? Is that news or is it entertainment? Well, you might claim that it's based on something that happened, but the point is, is there is no intent to inform you this way or thus. What the intent is, is to program your mind. What the intent is, is to make a result. And that, in fact, has zero concern for knowing. And this is the problem with entertainment. And entertainment does run what we call news. And so what I say about that is the acronym tells you what it is. It's, it's Northeast, West, South. It's a thing that pulls your mind in every direction and never 
will resolve to anything of value in any way, shape, or form. And that is because it's entertainment. And so you ask simple questions like back in the day when Werner von Braun was in Disney telling us what was going to happen next on the moon, is the moonshot a serious endeavor or is it Disney TV? Because I'm looking at Disney TV here and our minds still had not caught up to recognize that Mr. Werner von Braun was on Walt Disney World. These two things do not jive. And it was so apparently easy to see. And so it still took years and years and years before everyone realized that that was all shenanigans. We didn't go to the moon. Yeah. That was all made for TV entertainment. And so where we currently reside is people are breaking free of the effects of entertainment, which is basically the word tells you to go in and hold your mind. That's what the word resolves to. That's what it means. And that's where we currently exist as Last count I heard, the quickest growing supposed job you could have was content provider on the internet. That's where we place our value now. Um, yeah. not, not to say that people can't provide valuable content, but a crap load of that content is going to be based on the Hollywood idiom of entertainment, which has no value, right. intrinsic value. Well, thanks for bringing up the moon because uh, that was uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about is your documentary. Um, you know, tell me, tell me about that movie and, and how you came about making that. I mean, I know you were, I mean, you, you can explain about your fascination with looking at the moon. <laughs> well, I, I did not, Jason can cover this. I, I didn't want to make the movie. And finally, Jason said, look, someday you're going to die and people are going to say things about what you did. Don't you think you should go on the record and say what you think? The truth is, that's how I agreed to it. Um, but Jason could tell you better than I. I. I gave all the files to him and said, go ahead, make a movie. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, so <clears throat> what, it, what it was, YouTube, obviously, uh, we were seeing it even back then with the censorship. Uh, all, the, all the footage existed in one place only other than in Crow's personal possession that was on his YouTube channel. Well, they, they're delete happy, aren't they? So I've told him that, uh, hey, if that ever goes, that stuff's gone. And uh, all that's going to be left is what people yapped about or happened to uh, to rip and put in other places. Wow. So it was I think it ended up being like six terabytes worth of stuff that I had to whittle through. But thank God he did most of that for me. And then we uh, just shot some interviews to to discuss the actual footage. And I went out of my way once I got into the editing room to give it a bit more of a cinematic look. So it didn't just look like a two hour YouTube video. And I, I pretty much himself taught. I already had the audio part down. That was easy because I've been doing that for years. But I taught myself DaVinci Resolve and how to color grade. And I'm still not that great with it. But uh, just learn how to, how to do things, panning and zooming, trying to give the footage uh, an edge that a simple YouTube video wouldn't have had. And a lot of people seem to like it. Mm -hmm. Well, there's an interesting story there, too, because when you first, you know, being online now, you you immediately submitted to something like 25 or 30 places, but no one was really touching it. And we thought, here we go. You know, uh, this is a bridge too far. No one's going to run this. But as it stands right now, um, Jason just got his ninth award. The eighth award came from Jaipur, India. Um, the ninth laurel came from where was it, Jason? Uh, before that, I think there was one in Italy. That was the one I really wanted to go to, but of course, everything shut down now. Uh, oh, nice. Let me think. What else? Wood, woodlands or something? I forget. I don't even remember. I could pull them up, but yeah, all together over the past two years since we entered film festivals, we just received our ninth one the other day, which I wasn't expecting to get one of them. So that means that 
there's groups of people in all these film festivals that actually had to sit and watch the entire two hour and three minutes of that film. It's well put together. Um, yeah. Especially the footage of, you know, all the crafts that are out there, the, the, those vessels. I mean, do you have a theory of what those, you know, vessels flying across the moon are? I know what they are. Uh, they're in our atmosphere and they're human tech. Nothing leaves our atmosphere. There is in fact a firmament. Werner von Braun even took the time to admit that on his tombstone with Psalm 191 or whatever it is that basically says the glory of God is witnessed in his handiwork, which is the firmament. Um, this It's all a put up. You know, I had to learn as I went along and I began to put it together and I began to learn that you can't film a satellite, that the satellite tracking programs are not accurate and they're admittedly not accurate. And then pretty soon you go on and on and on. And well, with my case, the, uh, the Huffington Post decided to start kicking me in the cojones. So I'd had enough by the time they were stealing my footage and getting away with it because they call themselves news. Um, there's nothing you can do about that if a place calls its news. And they would get like an FBI expert, which I'm not sure what an FBI expert knows about telescopic work. And then they had a MUFON of all things to say, Crow doesn't understand his equipment. I had enough. I went and got an optical expert. This is in the shoot the moon, the calculations we did. And it proves outright that the only reasonable assumption is that these things are quite close to us in our atmosphere, because if what the Huffington Post claimed. Was Sorry about that. Well, I'm here. Crow will be back in one second. Okay, no problem. Well, that's how we know that uh, the government funding has stopped because yeah, I had to pay for the subscription because after I think it was September 1st, the uh, government funding wasn't, um, they weren't supplementing the funding to Zoom. So whoever was, because they, they recently, they're not offering online education. So there's no reason for the government to pay for Zoom anymore which is why they're not offering Zoom, uh, online schooling as an alternative to school. It's like you have to attend school and you have to get the shot. Yeah. How about no? <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't have to do any of that. Yeah. It's all um, just an offer. Yeah. Right now, like uh, the state of Texas, they're suing all the, the 23 districts that are ignoring the governor's mandate. And because he's he, he even stated yesterday that, you know, vaccines and masks are against the law in the state of Texas, but yep. the schools are fighting it. So the, it's just constant tug of war. Anytime the state wins, the, the, the school districts file another appeal. It's just ongoing. And it's that, just that window will close. These are things that can, you know, the, it, the amount of effort that it takes to apply um, this can't go on forever. They do have a big trump in their corner because they own all the media so they get on every day and all the media regardless of what flavor you think you're getting um, basically says the same thing about the pandemic but this is all coming to an end um, they'll have to and don't get me wrong i'm sure they'll figure out other evil genius things to try to do to further their little agenda here but the point is, is a lot of people woke up as a result of what they've just done and those people will be strong yeah, as we go through all the people that didn't make it, you know, that's a crime. But the, the fact is, the people who did make it, they're going to be much better situated 
to fend off this kind of overreach, to put it politely. Yeah. Uh, so before we got cut off, I <laughs> I'm having a hard time remembering what we were talking about. I thought it was like at the it was at the tip of my my tongue, and now I can't remember. <laughs> were we talking about the film or something? What were we talking? Do you remember, Jason? Oh, what were we talking about? Yeah, we were talking about the film. Then we went from we were talking about the um, what you were saying. You thought the footage was. Oh yeah, we were talking. So, so that's what we were doing. We were talking, you know, because the uh, you you asked me what those things up there were. Yeah. This is how I definitively proved it. I got an optics expert, and we calculated the value of a pixel. Um, the <laughs> FBI right. expert and the MUFON dude with Huffington Post were saying clearly that's a satellite at half geosynchronous, which is eleven thousand miles. And I began to think, can I even see something really at 11,000 miles? So I got an optics expert and we calculated my exact systems, videos, stills, my telescope, my camera. We calculated it all and we proved that if what they were saying was true, it would be like many times the size of the fake ISS. Um, and that's when I announced, um, this is provable, folks. These things are in our atmosphere. They're up there all the time. And the only reason you'll ever see them is if you're lucky enough to see them backlit and this is also probably the reason why they changed <clears throat> in the 70s. You could get better night vision equipment than you can now. Um, they outlawed it and called it military applications or something. I forget what it was. But if you had really good IR and UV tools, which you pretty much can't get anymore, you might be able to see them. Mm -hmm. But this is just man-made tech taking over the skies and probably running forever. I'm, I'm of a mind that they're drawing the energy from the surrounding environment up there. Um, they don't need batteries or solar panels, um, but that all remains to be seen. Yeah, I, I've always had a hard time with the IS. I mean, because I used to watch the 24-hour uh, the feed um, of the, the ISS going around the, the world. And I had an issue with, you know, if the size of the ISS was only the length of a football field, and it's supposedly 250 miles up, there is no way, even, you know, unless you got a high, you know, the highest power telescope, like kind of like the one that you look at the moon, you should be able to see it clearly. But we, I, I don't know what we're seeing when, when we are able to, to detect it up there. I mean, others have theorized that it's a plane that's flying up there and they're broadcasting an image of the ISS, but it looks nothing like the actual one that's supposed to be up there. It's, you know, people are on the right track. It is, it's a trick. It's, you know, how did, how did Siegfried and Roy fly the white tiger across the stage? As soon as you, you know, it's a trick, you just got to figure out how it was done. And yeah, I filmed it. Um, there is a thing that looks about the way you think it should look, not exactly like you're shown it was. So is it some kind of a balloon? Is it a drone? I don't know, but here's the other thing. Um, you'll see endless faked images. You'll, so how many times have you seen an image of the ISS transiting the moon, which happens in less than a second, because I've seen it, um, and you can see the ISS is white. Under no circumstances is that a, a possible image. It will be black because the moon is so bright that it is backlit black. Um, right. And you see all these fake things, but you know, I know that there's simple things that tell you whether a thing is real, and we've forgotten how to be reasonable in our culture. For one thing, if you catch someone in a magneton 
magnitude 10 lie, that means every other thing they ever say is unbelievable. And we have caught the ISS footage in magnitude 10 lies so many times. They've been caught on wires, with green screens, with people misspeaking and saying, oh, that's five miles from where I am now. And then realizing, oops, I'm supposed to be up in outer space. But then you can logically blow that out. When I first started doing this, it was claimed there were 25 to 30,000 satellites. So that was 2013, maybe. Go look it up now. It's a couple thousand. So we're, again, going backwards as technology goes forward. But if there are satellites and there are thousands of them, how come no magical astronaut on the magical ISS doesn't poke his HD iPhone out to show us these magical satellites doing what satellites do? And these logical things tell you beyond the shadow of doubt that it's all a lie. Um, if there's a new truck in the world, you can know anything you want to know about it. What color does it come in? How many doors? What size is this engine? As a matter of fact, who is the engineer that designed that new truck? We can know things about things that exist. And then we detach that level of knowing from magical things like the International Space Station. Um, I once did a breakdown of a lady on the ISS with hair half down her back, washing her hair in the supposed ISS with droplets of water flying all over in there. And it's unbelievable. And I got a strike on YouTube, but not for having done the video. It was because they cleverly put copyrighted music on the clip I broke down. Oh. And that was from an entertainment place that gave me the strike on ISS footage. So my strike on supposed NASA footage came from an entertainment corporation um, because they own the rights on the music on the ISS footage. It's just, it's on and on and on it goes. And an adult in the room should easily be able to say, stop. These things do not logically support what we're being told. Therefore, it's a lie. Yeah, I've been a fan of NASA for quite a bit. I mean, as you can see, the, the logo, I mean, I designed it based on my fascination with NASA. I mean, I was, I was always a huge fan, but after watching their, their footage, I, it always never made sense. And then I've seen, I mean, with the help of Hollywood technology, I mean, they're able to just mimic anything that they want. And you can tell that, you know, with the hair and, and you know, hairspray, like, why would you need to put hairspray in your hair to make it look like the hair is being floating upwards when, if you're really out in space and there's, no gravity you wouldn't need to fake it um there are just so many things that that's always caught my attention i've just naturally i mean if you have a half a brain i mean you, you all you have to do is just watch it and and question it but you know people just don't have any attention span to watch in the, something. In the clip i took apart there were something like 20 or 30 cuts within less than two minutes and you could hear the engine revving on the plane that's giving them the zero g's but yep. you're a bit of a conundrum in your background there you've got a flat earth map and you've got nasa imagery <laughs> and the problem here is both of those things can't be true right one or the other <laughs> and yeah. both are questionable <laughs> yeah i'm actually gonna redo the the logo because this one has the the, the um the, the flat earth map in, in the background <laughs> of the astronaut so i'm gonna redo this I just think it's funny because, you know, unless you're really like just asleep, you, you really don't notice it. But for most of the audience that watches this show, I mean, they all know. <laughs> yeah, they just think it's funny. But uh, yeah, I definitely want to update the uh, the logo. <laughs> it, it, it's, it definitely contradicts having the flat earth map and 
space. <laughs> oh man! So um, you had Be uh, Owen Benjamin on the on the what was it yesterday or a couple of days ago? A couple of days ago, yeah. Yeah, I mean that was a really good interview, and you guys were talking about um, how everything just being faked, and you know, uh, especially the news, and um, and. and investigative journalism just pretty much doesn't exist anymore it doesn't exist in a place you can see it at all yeah and if it, it did then you would see narratives that would question the pandemic and that's not allowed on television and that should tell you that it's all agenda it's what it is right so you, it's you not news in, no so you live in uh, san diego do, do you ever feel like you're unsafe there or do, do you plan on moving out of state or I actually moved from the West Coast to the East Coast uh, in 2016. Oh, I, I had I had this impression that you were still in San Diego. I, all, all my old clips from the telescope were primarily shot in San Diego. Oh, gotcha. You know what? It's because I'm listening. I've been listening to your old episodes, so I'm I'm like on like 256, and I'm I've been going backwards, and you're in the upper 300s right now. <laughs> so yeah, I've listened to quite a bit of shows in the last probably not even a month just been binging well i'll tell you what we we've worked not to up the price and we produce i think double the content i think most people charge around 10 bucks for one show a week we do two shows a week and it's seven bucks although that is gonna have to change because uh, paypal and everywhere else is now taking a heck of a lot more money all of a sudden and uh, not only that, they're doing things like if you have, if someone makes a mistake and they say, please give me my money back, I get charged for that now. <laughs> wow. So I know it, on and on it goes, but we still pride ourselves on the level and the volume of content we put out for the money. Hopefully anyone can afford to be a part of this. I'm real big on not making things out of reach for people. Yeah. And Jason, you guys live in uh, Louisiana, right? Yeah, we live on what's called the North Shore of New Orleans, which is across Lake Pontchartrain in a little town called Covington. Nice. Have you done the whole, uh, what do you got, testing the curve or at Lake Pontchartrain? Yes, yes <laughs> I have. I have shot the Superdome on numerous occasions on uh, days where the humidity isn't so bad because that obscures it really, really bad on some days you can see anything but yeah i can see the superdome and i've done the calculation and i shouldn't be able to according to the mainstream model nice um talk about your show because you have this logo that uh, as as your uh your image um how long have you been doing that and what do, what do you talk about uh shortly before crow started the main podcast right before i was with him uh, i i had started one called secrets of saturn and i did well, together, I ended up doing 30 some episodes before I switched it to a live stream. And uh, Crow and I had met, I forget what episode we did together, but it was yeah, early 20, on. 27, we did one and then we went full time, I don't know, 10 episodes later or less. Yeah, we have, we have a mutual friend named James Alfred who uh, used to do a lot of interesting research and uh, go on with us. And I had emailed both Crow and James James got back to me first. We did a show that he told Crow that, oh, Jason's really cool. You should, you should definitely go on with him. We did that show. And this is when the Lunar Wave stuff was uh, still fresh. Mm -hmm. And then I said, hey, why don't we do a Lunar Wave roundtable with you and two others who also captured this thing? And uh, you guys can compare and contrast notes. 
during the conversation. So he did that and that went really well. And then that's when Crow was getting his kick started. And then uh, just within a few episodes, it went from me going on with him sometimes to just being his co-host all the time. Nice. It's a lot of work running a podcast by yourself, as I'm sure you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm constantly learning on the fly and, you know, watching other people and how they do stuff. And, you know, I'm still trying to figure out how to live stream. Like, I haven't figured it out. I did it once and, and just thought it was like a total flop. But, you know, I've watched people who I've admired and, and you know, and watched them progress over time. And it wasn't always perfect. And I, I guess I'm just a perfectionist and I want to do things right. Like like my last episode with Russian vids, I mean, someone critiqued me on the, on the music that it was too loud and annoying. So I was like, you know what? It was annoying to me too. <laughs> so which is true well, well back then all the way back then a lot of my shows were just me so i was carrying two hours doing all the audio just everything the website all of it i knew i needed to get away from social media because i knew where that was going um even the page the about page on my website was written in 2013 never changed a word of it and it's all wow. about free speech yeah when i first started doing podcasts i mean my my shows were literally 15 to 20 minutes or 30 minutes at the longest and uh that's a good I, I, model man i can get on board with that now. <laughs> <laughs> i i can't I mean, you like my show with with russian vids i mean that was three and a half hours and that was exhausting <laughs> like i don't know how people uh, can do it that long rv is fantastic and if you want if you want someone who can talk he's your guy oh yeah yeah, have you had him on the show yet? I haven't gotten that far back. <laughs> I'm um, on Crouch for some radio, but I'm friends with him, and he's been on my live stream a couple times, and I've been on other shows where he's been there. So I've, they, I've been on shows know. with him a lot. Oh, okay. It reminds me of those three. Like, remember the old Iron Realm? You know, we used to go on Iron Realm. Those things go all night long. Yeah, <laughs> be like six hours on Iron Realm Media. Whoa. <laughs> so, what has been your favorite guest? Hmm. or top three or top five i don't know favorite guest oh that's I a good question I, yeah i don't think i could answer that because it would depend on where the world is at the time i'm doing it and if yeah. i had to think about that it would i geez i can't even sorry to put you on the spot <laughs> i can't think of a single person that i would single out above all others but at 300 and what are we almost 60 shows you got to yep. stop and think because it's kind of all starts to blur together. It does. It, it totally does. Uh, my favorite subject matter is social engineering and all the things that get wrapped up in that. Uh, Tavistock, Edward Bernays, like all this stuff that uh, they use to manipulate us and, and where it came from and all that. As yeah. a, we, we live in a world that is completely scripted. If it's presented to you in some sort of mainstream format or coming to you from a mainstream source, some thought has gone into it. Uh, with the color scheme, the symbology, uh, how it's delivered, like all of that. It's it's pre-programmed, man. Yeah. Actually, uh, back in 2017, the same year that I had the engineer in, because uh, I was driving for Uber at the time, because I was, you know, it, working in, in, in living in LA was just so expensive. So I had to have a second job after, after teaching. And so I, I picked up a guy um, who was telling me about Tavistock. I knew nothing about it. And then we drove by this hotel, which was in Santa Monica. 
And he told me, he's like, oh, this is the very hotel that all the uh, think tank people come in. They, they brainstorm the next big event that they want to, you know, use as a story. And they, they come here to this hotel, they, they write books and they publish them. And then the politicians kind of pick and choose what they want to have as the next thing because they don't communicate with each other because otherwise there would be records. There would be um, all this evidence that would, that would link the stories with, with the politicians and they don't want to be connected at all. So what they do is they take stories like from uh, the, these, these think tank people who want to have all these like events. And so they, they publish them in books or they, they publish them in movies and that's how the, all this predictive programming is done. And I was like, holy shit. And so, you know, that's how I was introduced to Tavistock. Why do they go to L.A. to do that? Oh, yeah. Hollywood's there. Yeah. So I found that very interesting. And, and you know, working in, in L.A. as an Uber driver, I met so many different people who would just tell me, like, the truth about everything, like, like, uh, like how, how Hillary and... Donald Trump were together at a, at a, um, th this was during the, ele um, <clears throat> the elections. They were in India attending a, a wedding and they're like, you didn't hear from me, but I was just in India because she just came out of the airport and she's like, I can't tell you this. So this is not official, but Hillary and Trump were together at a wedding, but you didn't hear that from me. <laughs> and they were running against each other at that time. They're also so, like second cousins, five times removed. They came from the same Scottish royal bloodline. So it's all a bit of an act. Jason and I have done episodes to show you exactly how you got the red, blue, left, right paradigm in this country. And spoiler alert, the central banks did it. And they did it so they could get everyone to fight about stuff of zero consequence so they could take over the world. And look around. What do you see? Oh, it's it's really bad now, you know. I mean, all you have to do is just look at one post that, you know, like, like all the, the concert venues, like you cannot go into any of the concert venues without proof of, you know, the, the medical procedure. Yeah, you can. In LA? Anywhere, I mean, anywhere someone wants to make a stand and force them to show the law. It might not be easy at first, but you, sh you should get out of the habit of saying you have to. No, you don't. No, you do not. And anyone who's going to act like an adult and challenge those things is going to come back to one basic idea. Show me the law. Are we a nation of laws? Are we bound by laws in this nation? Because if we are, I would like to see the law that prevents me from walking into an establishment of a public accommodation, of which there are plenty of laws supporting what public accommodation means. So we should get out of the habit of acting like whipped dogs because we're human beings. We're not whipped dogs. This has gone on way too long. We've waited way too long for people to start standing up. But just this morning, I was posting a mother whose friends took a school board to court. Guess what? Kids taking the mask off, what, year and a half later. It's ridiculous that it took this long. Well, to be fair, they did shut courts and violate your due process. But my point is, this is only acceptable until people say it's not acceptable. And it doesn't matter what anyone is saying. If 87% of people said this is not acceptable, none of it would matter. And right. until that happens, the rest of us got to stand up. Somebody's violating your rights, do something about it. Yeah, these corporations don't have any power if everybody says no. This no, isn't they, acceptable. 
you know, I, I wore a mask all of, you know, less than half an hour. I wore a mask the entirety of this thing. Did I get booted out of places? Yeah, I did. Did I have to choose my battles? Yes, I did. I don't yeah. want to ruin my local grocery store. I'd like to be able to get groceries. So I didn't choose to do anything legal about that. But along the way, I educated people like, what are you doing? There's no law that says I have, you know, oh, you're going to die. You know, they're big because we're afraid laws don't matter idea. But that's just not true. And yeah. our courts are going to be backed up probably for the rest of our lives dealing with all the legal challenges that are going to come on the tail of this. Unless the yeah. uh, the Jesuits at the top figure out a way to get iron iron fisted control. But I'm not seeing it. I think this has gone in some ways better than they dreamed, but in many ways, so short of what they'd hoped for. Yeah. Yeah. I was just talking to my wife about this, that, you know, when we were in LA, uh, it just seemed like live nation was just taking over every concert venue, just one after another. And it just seemed, I mean, you can see that they're all in line with each other now because they all have the same photo. It's like, Oh, you need to show of proof of, of the medical procedure and, and to be able to go to, to a show. And, you know, we canceled a couple of shows already because, because of the, the, the have, because the artists chose to, you know, you have to show proof of medical procedure in order to attend. So that, we're that's like, a HIPAA violation on the face of it, by the way, no one has a, a right to demand your medical records or to demand that you take a medical procedure. There is no law. And that's, Part of see this plays into the education thing mm -hmm. when i was young people never would have stood for this the adults in the room at that time would hit this wouldn't have lasted a damn day but over the dumbing down and the programming through media and all the things you know the, what they put in our water what our processed food is doing you know we've, we've been basically dumbed and you know just reduced in our abilities but the point i would make is anyone who's tired and decides to stop and stand up, guess what? You're in the right. You have rights in this world. And the yeah. fact that you're alive proves it. Yeah, definitely. You know? I agree with that. Yeah. I, I And also, like, all we have to do is just change our diet. And you eliminate getting sick at all. That's a big deal. That is a big deal. You are what you eat. Provably, you are what you eat. And taking good, healthful supplements is one of the most beneficial things you can do. We've had, Jason, how many people have we had on recently that have said this exam, exact thing? Get good quality vitamin C. Get good quality magnesium. Get good quality selenium. Um, what am I dropping there, Jason? There's three or four things that across the board from doxers to holistic people have said, as a matter of fact, vitamin D, selenium. Um, what was the other one that he said yesterday? Exactly. Iodine was the was the fifth. Oh one. yeah, iodine, fulvic minerals. I I needed a finger surgery, and on the air, magnesium. one of our guests, Clive DeCarl, said, "Take the magnesium I sent you." By the end of the show, my finger was getting better. Put it this way, I took magnesium instead of getting a finger surgery for what do they call it, trigger finger? You know, that oh, was wow. just from supplements. So you truly are what you eat. Um, it's a big deal, and we eat a lot of crap in this country. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, there's, it's so bad. Just look and, at the weight of people. You can see how just beat down they are when you're, you know, 20 to 40 pounds overweight. That is a hard freaking life, man. Um, it's a hard life. Yeah. You know, 
life can be much easier for you if you deal with that. And the, the simple truth is you can't eat so much. And if you do eat, don't eat, you know, processed garbage. Yep. Stay in the fresh aisle as much Just as you can. Eat healthy, you know, rices, yeah. grains, whatever, you know, fruits, if that's your thing. Just eat healthy food um, and don't live on pizza and Taco Bell. Dude, I mean, seriously, I have learned so much by by listening to your show. I mean, your guests are amazing, amazing that they, they, they just have so much. There's so much wealth of knowledge in what they talk about and, and things that just make your life better. I mean, it's not about any one specific topic I and mean, you kind of you, you go over everything. And so I'm very thankful for your show and and all the just just in, this incredible knowledge and, and information that you provide. And so that's why I was like wanting to have you on this show because, you know, everyone needs to, to understand how to survive all this garbage and how to just be healthy. I mean, the reason why we get sick in the first place, because we're, we're secreting whatever toxins that we're putting in our body and, and drinking tap water. Yeah. And, you know, and our, I mean, I, I know I've learned firsthand that the reason why we get sick is because of the, the crap that we inject into our body and, you know, and the answer is not in a, in a, in a prescription bottle. It's really what you eat and how you live every day. And, and you, you know, you got to remove all that stuff from your, from your mind and just have a clear diet. Not, you know, as, as far as like what you, what you just put in your mouth and, and even what you even say has power, you know, so. It does, you know, the you know, if someone was brand new and saying, I'm going to start a podcast, I would offer the following as the most important thing they can remember. Everybody and everything are connected. If you think there's a difference between a health show and a show on music, you're mistaken. Mm -hmm. If you think there's a difference between a space show on outer space and oceanography, you're mistaken. If you think there's a person here that is somehow different than the person there, you're mistaken. Everything is interconnected, including us and all living things. Yep. And that's, I think, what draws a compelling show because the guests we have truly care about you. And how rare is that? Because you can't turn on your TV and find that. Yeah. I mean, I'm not doing this show to, to make a bunch of money because I barely make anything. It's, so it's, it's almost not even worthwhile. It's just, you know, I... I've been spending so much time listening and I had a platform that I could use to relay truth and have people on the show that can make you live a different life, a better life. That and matters. What you're doing matters. It's the difference between sitting on your ass and watching the world go up in flames and actually getting to try to do something. If you're, if your thing is communication or if you're a doer, whatever your thing is, get to it. This is where we need all the help we can get. The longer people sit around, the longer we're going to put up with what's going on in this world. Yeah. I belong to uh, meat flat earthers. I, I, I know you don't like to uh, use that term. But, I'll bet uh, you I know every one of them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What are the odds that I don't? But I, I was talking about how, we, you know, someday soon, I mean, we're all going to have to like congregate together. We're going to have to build our own community and not just an online community, but we're probably going to be forced into, you know, coming together as a commune in order to survive whatever's coming next. Because if, if people don't start waking up and start resisting 
that's, that's kind the, of a, I, I'm sorry for interrupting, but that's kind of a defeatist point of view. Um, why are you assuming that you will never have control of anything and that as a human being, you just react? Um, mm -hmm. We have perfectly good legal systems that can be used. Are there problems with them? Yeah, all legal systems have problems. But if you know how to use them, we've shown time and time and again the results. In other words, the framework to stop what's going on already exists, right? Yeah. So why should we for a moment think that we have to become some freaking Soylent Green Society um, as, as a last-ditch effort? Uh, we should be going the other way. How do we correct what's going on? This is not feasible. This is not conducive to living things. This is lies, valueless, anything we want to say about it. We have the ability to say, we don't, that's not what we're doing here. Um, and there are gonna people, be people who survive what's going on now. And they're gonna be in a much better position to stand firm and hold their position. And I'm not prepared to, well, we got to go get our little corner of the world where we're going to hide from all this bad that's everywhere. No, bad's got to prove it's got a right to exist. Yeah. We don't have to do that. So we shouldn't be afraid and we shouldn't be defeatist in our thinking. This cycle will end like every other cycle. So what, how is it that we can't come out in a better place? See what I, I mean? You're, you're awesome, man. I mean, I mean, I probably just needed that little boost of, of confidence because you know, being, you know, where I work, I mean, I'm surrounded by just the sleeping masses. And I do know a couple of people who are semi-awake and, and are resistant and are looking for ways of fighting. And I'm like, you know, we all need to stick together. So if the hammer comes down, let, let's just file a suit and let's fight. Out of mind change, right? If you've changed your mind, you have truly done something. If yeah. you've chosen your line in the sand between what's acceptable and what's not, then you have contributed. And nobody can tell you where your line in the sand is. The internet has taught us to judge each other. We have no right to judge each other. I can control my, my life if I'm married, maybe in agreement with my wife. If I have children, there's some control over those lives. But other than that, that's the big fallacy of where we've come. So choosing what you will accept and what you won't is where it starts. And if you stick to that, then you've contributed. And if that's all you ever do, a switch of mind is a big deal because we're all connected. And so when a lot of minds change, that connection ripples across everywhere. It's like the hundredth monkey idea. Um, that's an important, important idea that is benchmarked at 10%. And I would suggest to you that we're far beyond 10% of people who are aware of what's happening here at some level. Yeah. Well, the place where I work, I'll, all I have to do is just look for the person that's not wearing a muzzle. And I, I have a, a, a checklist of like, all right, this person I could probably talk to, this person I could probably talk to. I mean, I'm even like watching the, the kids and writing notes because if I need to go to their parents and say, you know, what do you feel about this? And I already know by the way that the parents interact that they're more open-minded so I can't just go out and just start talking to them about all this, all this stuff openly, but I can take like little hints and because you can, you can see where someone's position is just by simply looking at them and their, their body language. You, I would add that you have the ability to sway a conversation um, in a way that will matter down the line. My mom's 90. I take care of her at home. We have a lot of nurses coming and going. 
Every one of them, with very few exceptions, shows up with a mask. The first thing I say is you can breathe oxygen in this household. Now, some of them might go for it to protect them. Uh, and other ones will say, well, I have to do this and I'll go on and on. And while we're talking, I'll say things like, man, I'm really waiting for the day when everyone can just freely breathe oxygen and not be breathing their own exhaust fumes all day. And they'll agree, even though they're wearing that muzzle. Mm -hmm. That's the difference between a person who views them as somehow less than me. They can't figure it out. They're voluntarily ruining this. For all these things you could think about them when the truth is they're not happy about it. They don't right. want to wear that thing any more than you do. And whatever their reasons that have led them to do it, they are not happy about it. And that is a boon for you because you can use that unhappiness to try to start to set the course right in the course of a conversation. I can't tell you how many people have taken off their mask and like I get things delivered here. They don't come up my driveway wearing a muzzle anymore. They know me. I say yeah. to every single one of them, it would make me happy if you breathed oxygen today. Um, I do it over and over and over. And that in the long run is at least edging towards a sane outcome. So even the people that seem so far different, we're all connected, man. And I can guarantee you, they're not happy about wearing that mask. And that is a leveraging mechanism because people would like to be happy. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That, that's great. Great advice. Well, guys, um, I guess we can close it right there. And uh, I, I appreciate you guys coming on here and, and talking about your side of everything and your show and stuff. I mean, it, it's so great, you know, having, you know, I, I mean, I'm a big fan of your show. So there's no reason why anyone who watches this show should, you know, tune into you guys and be a fan because you guys talk about a lot of stuff that is very helpful to our society and people do need to wake up, even if it's just slowly and, you know, you're not talking about anything that isn't untrue. I mean, th this is like a reality and. Yeah, we don't know. do conspiracy on our show. <laughs> right. Well, uh, then again, I mean, thank you so much for coming on here. And it, it was definitely an honor and a privilege to have you on this show. Well, thanks appreciate so much it. for having me on. And we appreciate what you're doing. You know, the more people talking about things, the good thing. Yeah. All right. Well, you guys have a great day and uh, we'll talk to you soon and I'll, I'll let you know when this airs. Sounds I'm good. Test yeah, I'm testing Jason. <laughs> <laughs> He's sitting behind a mug of coffee half the size of his head. I know he is. Oh, I drank that an hour ago. <laughs> All right, Mikey. Thank you so much, man. Have a, have a great day. All right. You too. You take care. Thanks, brother. Take care, man. Thanks. Wow. What a great show. Thank you so much for watching this episode of KGUP Presents, or if you're listening, thank you. Uh, be sure to follow Crow777 by clicking the links in the description. Also, if you're a Rockfin subscriber, follow Jason Lindgren of Secrets of Saturn. His link is also in the description below. And if you haven't already done so, please hit that sus subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode of this show. If you want to follow everything that we do here and you like to contribute, we now have a Patreon. It's only five bucks a month and 100% does go into the show because it isn't free to do what I do here. If you want to subscribe for the entire year, you do get a t-shirt like this bad boy right here. Yes, yes, check it out. Uh, we also have a VIP membership and 
that comes with some very exclusive cool features that you cannot get anywhere else. Just go to Patreon or www.patreon.com forward slash KGP presents. And uh, if you're interested in being a guest or you just want to talk to me or send me an email, uh, email it to info at KGP1065.com. And I promise I will read it and respond. I read all of your comments, no matter how bad they are. I do appreciate your patronage and support and watching this, this show. And if you do love this show, you can support us by purchasing a t-shirt, hat, or sling bag. Just go to www.kgup1065.com forward slash shop. I know I'm saying a lot of websites, but <laughs> forgive me. The, the links are also in the description. 100% of the profits do go back into running this show and running the radio station, KGUP FM Emerge Radio. You can check it out by uh, and see what's playing by saying Google ask KGP FM to play, or if you have Alexa, just say Alexa, play KGP FM. Thanks again for watching KGP presents until next time. This is Mikey J. I'm out. The earth is flat. Bro, you need to check your facts. I got high up through the roof And I landed on the moon The moon flat too In reality Everything is just in 2D Like a video game from 1983 Besides up and down the street While y'all sleep Call me B.O.B. cause I don't see the curve nah. Messing up my vibe, yeah you got a lot of nerve Read a book, nah, I don't wanna learn nah. Read a book, nah, I don't wanna learn uh-uh. They say that we are cake For me and my homies, we don't say it, we just pray I'ma leave it, not my state Do your research, how much I gotta say it Earth is flat, bro, you need to check your facts I got high up through the roof I landed on the moon, the moon flat too, in reality, everything is just in 2D, like a video game from 1983, besides going up and down the street, while y'all sleep, y'all sleep, y'all sleep, y'all sleep.